0: Hello, and thank you for joining us today. I'm Ekaterina Malievska, co-founder and chief innovation officer of Compass Pathways. This is a special edition of our podcast. Today, we have announced that Kabir Nath, a former uh, senior managing director of Otsuka Global Pharmaceutical Business and a CEO of Otsuka North America, will become Compass' new CEO starting August 1st, 2022. Compass co-founder and current CEO George Goldsmith will become an executive chairman to facilitate a smooth transition and then will remain company chairman from January 1st, 2023. This special brings you a conversation with Kabir Nath. We're gonna talk about his story, his new role, and how he believes we can make Compass Mission a reality. Welcome. Thank
1: you very much, Katya, and I'm very excited, honored, thrilled to be here with you and George, and looking forward to the conversation.
2: The day has finally come. Indeed.
0: Pleasure to have you. So before we dive in, I'd like to give you a little bit of a history to those of you who just joining us. So George and I started Compass about six years ago. Compass is a mental health care company dedicated to accelerating patients' access to evidence-based innovation in mental health. And while this mission might sound a little mouthful, we actually mean every word of it and we take it very, very seriously. Shortly after establishing Compass, we met Lars Wilder, who has become our third co-founder. Lars since that founded a new biotech platform company. But the three of us as co-founders take that role very seriously and it means a few things to us. Uh, firstly, it's setting the vision and a mission for the company. It's to accelerate access to evidence-based innovation in mental health for patients who currently don't have any effective treatments. Setting a high bar for company's ethics, culture, and performance ethos. And last but not least, forming the best possible team to bring the best talent, bringing the best talent to bring the Compass mission to life. And our team has accomplished a lot in the past six years. We've designed and completed a successful phase two uh, study of COMP360 cellcybin for treatment resistant depression at more than 20 sites in 10 different countries and seven languages. It's the largest randomized control study of salicybin uh, patients with depression. We have designed the training program and trained over 60 therapists for psychedelic research sessions. We have had in-depth conversations with regulators and payers in Europe and the US and now have a pretty clear idea how not only to approve psilocybin for different indications, what evidence we need to create, but also how to make these treatments incorporated into the national care guidelines and for them to get reimbursed in order to achieve broad and equitable access. We have partnered with top-notch academic institutions, and we partnered with UK National uh, Health System. We have established centers of excellence at two academic institutions, one uh, with Shepherd Pratt Health System in the US, in Maryland, and uh, the other one is with King's College, Maudsley, uh, South London National Trust. Uh, and this is the first time that National Health System partnered with a company that is developing psychedelics. We have developed drug discovery capabilities in two labs, and we have built uh, several functions in the company, including AI, machine learning, digital health, In the process of all this, our team has grown from 12 people in 2018 to over 160 today with offices in London, uh, New York, and San Francisco. And perhaps the thing I'm the most proud of is the non-hierarchical, inclusive, compassionate culture that we all build together. Because building the best possible team is so important to us and making sure that the skill set that we have in the company matches the company's stage of development. The succession planning for CEO is something that George and I have thought a lot about it together and with the Compass Board. So the search for a new CEO was, was long time in the working and it's not a spontaneous thing. Our successful phase two trial means that we, are entering the final stage of clinical development of cell for treatment-resistant depression, and the focus is shifting towards timely completion of phase three and successful commercial launch. So this new stage of company growth demands a unique set of skills, you know, proficiency in late-stage clinical development, digital health, AI, machine learning, as well as market access to bring safe, effective, and scalable treatments to patients who don't have any viable options at the moment. And so finding uh, a person for this role hasn't been that easy. We needed the depth and breadth of experience to bring the Intervention, the treatment, as complex and as COMP 360 cell cyber therapy to patients, uh, but even that was not enough. I am thinking about the early stage of fundraising when we would pitch Compass to VCs and banks, and while we were sharing our personal story with the teams we saw the heads nodding and their eyes welled up and at the end of discussion the heads of banks would share their personal struggles with mental health and all of a sudden in this process we were all on the same side of the table looking at the problem of trying to solve the one of the most pressing problems of of our time is um, you know how to address mental health crisis so the personal connection to the mission of Compass was equally important to us. So we're going to start with this, and we're going to start probably with sharing our personal story, how the Compass was started, and uh, George, over to you.
2: Thanks, Katya. Um, you know, like so many things that are important, it has to have a personal connection, and our personal connection really started almost a decade ago when our son went to university and became really just struggling with depression and anxiety like far, far too many people do at that age. And we thought, well, you know, this is something that fortunately there are psychiatrists and medicines and therapy and how difficult could it be? And we found out that it was actually really difficult to find help, help that worked. More medicines led to more side effects, more side effects led him to be less and less the person we knew. And more importantly, less and less the person he knew. Um, And I think that this really triggered us into looking at how do we think about finding help for him that might be more helpful. And uh, I know, Katya, you spent a lot of your sleepless nights as a mom. Looking at medical research and trying to find something, you woke me up in, I think, February of 2013 and said, I found this stuff on psilocybin. you were in the 60s and 70s. What do you know about that? And I said, well, actually, I knew quite a bit because I was really interested in that whole area at the time, so much so that I was planning to become a neuropsychopharmacologist to work in psychedelics in 1972. So there we have it. And so that started a journey for us of talking to a lot of the researchers and just figuring out, are there new tools? Because what we saw was being used today works for some but not nearly enough people. And that's really what motivated us to start meeting researchers and start understanding these brave people who were doing this work. Um, And the more we met them, the more impressed we were. But we also saw that the small research studies that were being done wouldn't bring this to patients around the world. And I think what we really became very clear on is that there was such a need for innovation, such a need for new approaches, that it really had to be a huge focus. And that was part of our own learning of how do we get to that point of bringing this forward. So here we are, you know, I think we've um, been able to start developing an approach to bring this. New therapy, new approach with technology, with medicine, with psychological support, and bringing that together as an integrated care model to hopefully help more people. Hmm.
0: I would also just emphasize here that we—it was not a story of a boy uh, failed by psychopharmacology and saved by mushrooms. I think the driver was that in this process of trying to find solutions for him, we spoke with so many people. We spoke with hundreds, if not thousands, of people who all shared their struggles, either themselves or their family members or someone they knew with mental health care access to quality, high-quality, effective mental health care, and. I think it's the drive to change patient experience with mental health care was the uh, the motivation behind uh, forming Compass.
2: I think you're so right in that. And, you know, for us, you know, this whole notion that everyone has a story has become mm-hmm. just a mantra for us, because everyone we speak with does have a story of their friends, their family, theirs, themselves.
0: Kabir, what's your connection to this space? I know that you have a very moving story.
1: Well, first, thank you, Katia and George. And before I say anything about that, let me say how excited, thrilled I am to be here. This is a very, very important and exciting day for me. And I'm really honored by the confidence you've placed in me. And I look forward to actually translating that into further success for Compass, working with all the team. So, yes, I like everyone here and emphasizing the importance of a personal story, I do also have a deep personal connection to serious mental illness. I look forward to sharing more details with all of you in future, but let me just tell you that one of my closest school friends, an immediate family member, and one of my closest university friends have all died by suicide. Mm. And over the course of that time, I've also seen not just the impact on my family and their families, But also, as every one of us recognizes, we all have immediately family members, friends, or indeed colleagues who are struggling with serious mental illness. And I think it's interesting because actually colleagues are among the ones to whom we find it hardest to actually see, and that's the the stigma and the taboo about talking about it is even more in the workplace. And Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's, that's devastating. But yes, I have a very deep personal connection to this. I've spent the last few years working very much in serious mental illness and look forward to coming here to continue that mission.
0: So, Kabir, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what do we need to know (laughs) right now? Who is Kabir?
1: So, um, I often start this because right now I am based in New Jersey, uh, near the Princeton area, and you can probably tell I'm not from New Jersey. (laughs) Yes. Um, So, I uh, did indeed grow up in England, um, but have not lived here for 20 years. I've lived all over the world in Asia and more recently in the States. I am somebody who is driven by purpose um, and I look forward to bringing that same sense of purpose here to Compass. Um, Personally, and you'll get to know me very well, I hope, (laughs) and so on, but married, my wife is South African So we have family all over the world. We are a four-continent family, which is, you know, interesting. And we try to get together every couple of years across the world. Love to travel, love new experiences, and again, just truly excited about coming here and getting to know everyone at Compass and, again, sharing more of my personality and my background and everything I've done with you.
2: We've been really just delighted to get to know you. It's been amazing to see how aligned you are in both experience, but also demeanor. And, um, you know, I think as we talked about this, it was just really powerful to see how the three of us interacted and started to to work together. And the odd thing is that even we did this huge search, you know, and around the world, and it took a long time and many candidates, 18 18 months almost, and we came back to knowing someone, you know, finding someone that we knew. And I've had the privilege of getting to know better.
1: No, well, thank you.
0: Fantastic. So let's, let's maybe bring up a little bit of a history. How this is all started. You know, what was the first meeting? Like, how did this happen?
1: No, it, it's a great question. And so let, let me give you a little bit of that history. So first, um, and many of you will know something about Otsuka, but Otsuka is a hundred and now 101-year-old Japanese company. But for you know, a number of years since the development and commercialization of Abilify, really for the last 30, 40 years has been very, very focused on serious mental illness and bringing forward new, not just drugs, but new solutions for that. Also, let's recognize that you know, while there are lots of drugs available, there really has been nothing terribly novel for arguably 30, 40, 50 years. But as a Japanese company, Otsuka always always also taken a long-term view, a long arc, recognizing the change will take a long time to come. And so back, I guess, in 2017, 18, as we were talking always about what's next, what could be next in psychiatry, uh, Michael Pollan's book came out. It became kind of part of the zeitgeist to start talking about psychedelics. I was actually at Davos and had the opportunity to hear Robin Carhart-Harris talk and chatted to him briefly after that. And I went back to Princeton and I said, folks, we've got to take this seriously. We have to see where is the opportunity here and where does a company like ours that is willing to do different things to take risk, where should we play? And you know, in classic Otsuka fashion, we assembled a broad team of brilliant people, MSLs and others, and they went and did you know, their own research. They went and visited ketamine clinics. They talked to so many people. We had an advisory board And they came back to me and some of the other leadership and said, well, we have to play in this space. And the first thing you should do is go and talk to Compass, the leading company in the field. And so in early 2019, I had the opportunity to meet George and Catcher for the first time. And I, I think it's fair to say they were somewhat cynical about, you know, what a big pharma company wanted to come and talk to them about. And to George's point, I think, you know, over those first few meetings, we were able to see that there was indeed an alignment of vision, philosophy. You know, I'm very clear that while drugs are great, we actually need a much more radical transformation of approaches for patients with serious mental illness. And with that alignment of vision, we chose to invest. And I will say from a US leadership perspective, there was never any doubt that this was the right thing to do. It did take a couple of bites of the cherry in Japan um, to actually get Japan aligned that this was the right place to invest, and we were thrilled to do so and to develop the relationship thereafter.
0: I do remember our first meeting in London, and I wouldn't say I was suspicious, but I did look up Atsuka, um, you know, I did a little bit of research, and I, I think I was reassured how comprehensive and holistic your approach was. It was clearly not drug development, but, you know, huge consideration about patient experience and the role patients play in clinical development, so all that, and also the digital component that you were working on, clearly thinking about it in integrative fashion, so I was reassured. But also struck how generous the team Otsuka team was uh, in our discussion they gave us advice on clinical development Bob McQuaid's advice on long term follow up we're still doing the study so <laughs> we immediately went back and wrote the protocol and started the study well I
2: just think this was um, it's been a wonderful relationship over the course of the time since the investment obviously Bob came on our board of directors and has been incredibly uh, helpful in developing Uh, our whole approach, our plan. I think also that this idea that the 21st century calls for more than medicine. I think, you know, we talk about things like digital health, but we also talked about things like wireless and horseless carriages because we didn't really know what to call what was about to happen. And I think that's where we are with this whole world that we're in right now, where digital health is going to be health just in the 21st century. And we're going to see that new models of care require human contact, they require technology support, they require medicines. And weaving those all together in a holistic fashion is really what the future is about. And, you know, Kabir, when we, that's been our vision, and once we got to know you and the Atsuka team, we really saw kind of a real understanding of that, and that what we didn't need to do was simply to shrink wrap what had happened in the 60s and call it a day, that we really need to look at how do we innovate around this innovation. Um, So really excited to have this, uh, to be a co-conspirator with you on this now.
1: No, thank you, Georgia. And yes, I mean, I think what we all recognize, I mean, those of us working, but again, back to everyone's own personal connection, whether it's yourself or a family member. The journey through getting well with serious mental illness is incredibly complex, yes? I mean, from diagnosis through impact on the family and so on, and while I'm very proud of the drugs that Otsuka and other companies have developed, we at Otsuka have always acknowledged that the drug is just one small part of that journey. Yes, occasionally you get a super responder who can be made well, even for the long term, but that's incredibly rare. And I think we'll come on to talk more about, not just at the individual level, but when you scale that up at the population level, frankly, outcomes for the vast majority of people with chronic serious mental illness are not good. And therefore that demands a new approach, an integrated approach. Yes, Uh, I
2: think we saw that in uh, Tom Insula, who's a good friend and advisor, former head of the National Institute of Mental Health, just wrote a brilliant book called Healing. And it really looks at all of the different pieces that need to come together to support people healing. And and I think this is so core to our vision at Compass, now our shared vision at Compass, of how do we really bring these various parts of people's lives together to help them become well and stay well? And how do we provide that support over time? And that that's really the core of what we're looking
1: at. I think that's right. And I think yeah. You know, also, I I think now on yeah you know, there is a realization that all our efforts you know to find physiological or genetic biomarkers that were somehow gonna unlock precision psychiatry that's gonna take a very long time and only the intersection of technology using digital tools is actually gonna help us get there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think uh, our experience of building compost is such that you know there is an ecosystem that is required for innovation novel treatments to uh, be adopted and to become accessible and this ecosystem parts of it have business model and could be developed in a kind of a commercial way and part of it, part of that don't have commercial model but i think in order uh, for this interventions and this innovation to be successful we need to address all parts of the ecosystem including uh, you know community support diversity inclusion acknowledging the social and economic determinants of health and we need to take all this parts seriously if we want to make Uh, a dent in, you know, mental health crisis.
2: Well, I think one of the things that's really important in what you said, Katya, is that there's also a shift afoot in general, which is people who contribute to the health system, rather than simply selling things to the health system, really need to become part of it by actually being on the same side of the table and working together with others on how to improve health outcomes and with all of us doing our bits and pieces and seeing what the new models that emerge from that. But it's also a time not only of innovation in medicines and care for mental health, but also in a time of innovation for new payer relationships, and new models of collaboration. And I think we'll probably lean into some of that a bit later in the call.
1: But if I get, I completely agree, George. And if you just yeah, you know, and let's talk for a moment about the U.S., which you know, rightly or wrongly, is still the largest commercial opportunity for most companies in in this industry. The path that the U.S. healthcare industry on is unsustainable, quite clearly. And you know, I know we've been saying that for a long time, but yeah, you know, I think we are closer than ever to some of the tipping points for that. So I fully agree that there has to be a new model of partnerships, of collaborations, of working with health systems, of working with providers, and, of course, working with patients, yeah. of mm-hmm. co-creating Absolutely. with patients and so on, and that's fundamental. And you know, one of the beauties of Compass is you know, we have the opportunity to do that freshly, with mm-hmm. a fresh start in a way that is not so straightforward for legacy pharmaceutical companies. I That's
2: really important because developing a new model when you have an infrastructure that's been optimized for decades for the prior model is really hard.
0: Yeah, and, uh, you know, disturbing this infrastructure because, you know, someone's inefficiency is another another person's revenue stream, right? So there's just a lot of interdependencies that we will need to address and find a way for all of us to work together. So I think, George, maybe should we touch upon compass culture and how compass culture drives Compass growth and how, how this all fits together.
2: You know, it's interesting. When I was uh, much younger, I spent time with a guy named Ed Schein, who was a professor at MIT who actually coined the term corporate culture. And when I talked to Ed about it, he said, well, it's really, really simple. There are books written about this. But let me boil it down for you what culture is. Culture is how we do things around here, <laughs> period. <laughs> how we do things around here. That's how you define culture. And so culture is something you can develop plastic cards about and everything else, but it really is about how you do things. And from the very beginning, we did things incredibly collaboratively. Uh, We did things, to your point earlier, Katja, where there wasn't hierarchy. We're here to do important work together, and we all have our roles. We all engage and really look at what's best for the patient, what's best to realize our mission. And I think this was best reflected when we co-created our values a few years ago. And one of the things I've learned about values in an organization, which is deeply connected to culture, is that the best sets of values create tension, that you have to kind of figure out tension, because that's sort of where things get interesting. Just like a musical instrument, the tension is important to get the right notes. And so... For us, what we really looked at was our fundamental basis of compassion, which is really we've seen up close and personal how difficult this can be. And so to really be aware of that reality for people and to understand that as kind of the core of of our values. And then I think building on that, you know, being bold, what we're doing is so important. And we need this is different. This isn't, you know, another medicine given daily, etc. This is a change in a person's worldview and supporting that change over time. So being bold with that vision. And then but we also have to make sure that we're not making false promises to anyone. And so rigor is such a core, core element of what we're doing. So this idea of compassionate, bold, and rigor, and then core and underlying everything is being inclusive and really making sure that different points of view are included, different people are served. So when we talk about our culture, it's the way we do things, which is really, really focused on getting things done, getting things done well, and getting them done quickly because every 40 seconds, someone dies of suicide. 20 people attempt. And so this is a real pressure, and we need to respond to it. But to do it in that way that weaves compassion, boldness, rigor, and inclusiveness is really core to who we are and who we'll be in the future.
0: Yeah, I think uh, if you notice that our values are not nouns, they're not static my aspiration is to transition to verbs at at some, <laughs> <laughs> at some point yes. uh, just to be action oriented but on a more serious note how how do you feel about this Kabir how do you see culture interacting with growth and how you think about that
1: no thanks Katya and first let me say just building on George's point I, I Absolutely agree with that. I mean, I regularly remind my team that culture is not this kind of extraneous artifact that is imposed. Culture is how we do things. And I think, in particular, it's also how leaders do things, because I think, you know, inevitably there is a shadow of leadership and so on. So I think it's incredibly important they do that. Just building on your comment about the specific values. Uh, I understand and agree with all of those, and I just want to touch on the rigor one in particular, because Katya referred to it in the introduction, but one of the many incredibly impressive things about Compass is the execution of that largest ever study in very short order. And that you know that level of rigor brought to this space is something unique, and that's one of the things that absolutely has attracted me here. So you asked about culture and performance. So again, to be clear, those things are not in any way in opposition, yes. Yeah. Great performance depends on having a great culture. You will not have great performance, great achievement, great engagement without that because a business is only as good, as motivated, as, as able to perform as the people in it. And to me, that's absolutely fundamental. All the things you've said about a flat organization, about a lack of hierarchy, and so on, are really important to me as well. And I look forward as i coming on board to not just absorbing these elements of of the compass culture but seeing how i can help to reinforce them build on them and as you say katya you know, they will evolve in the long term that of course is fine that's realistic i i introduced a new one at oats one I was that one of humility um but i very much look forward to doing that i think the final thing i would say and i see this clearly at compass but it's also What's incredibly important to culture is that there is a purpose and that people understand the purpose. And at Otsuka we did a lot of work to really, again, across the entire organization to derive our purpose, which in fact there is to to defy limitations so that others can too. And to me that's also consistent with the way Compass thinks about the world. Uh, I think that's
2: a really wonderful, both the humility and the idea of defying limitations. I think it's very core to who we are as well, not expressed in that way uh, yet. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
0: Challenging conventions. Yeah. I think that employee engagement survey and pulse surveys that we do periodically at Compass, it's very clear that the incredible dedication to the Compass mission, really the team is mission driven. I think a lot of people have personal connection. I think the team is subscribed to the mission and driven by the mission. And a lot of conversations revolve around the solutions for mental health issues. One
2: of the things I really love about that is the just diversity of the team, which kind of then is the opposite side of inclusion and how we bring all those diverse skills together. We have artists, graphic designers, psychotherapists, Preclinical scientists, neuroscientists, um, and finance people and HR people, and it's just amazing to see the the rich diversity of skills, talent, but all coming together around this purpose. That's been just one of the most gratifying things in the role of they've had thus far.
1: And, and that's great to hear because what Compass is trying to do is unprecedented. So. I would expect that that requires an unprecedented mix of skills and capabilities and so on. And that, again, is part of the huge excitement of coming here. This is, yes, it's challenging, but it's a a novel, different challenge that when we're successful will bring hope to so many patients living with serious mental illness. Exactly. And their
2: families and their friends.
0: Yeah, I just... um as you were talking about that, George, I remember kind of the early days of, I'm in a very uh, reminiscent kind of mood today. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's an emotional day for me, but uh, I remember that our value proposition from the beginning of, from the inception of Compass, our value proposition to new employees was that you will be exposed to the whole range of functions, and you will learn not only the scope of work that you dedicated to, but you will be exposed to finance and business development and digital and, you know, anything else that's available. And I think it's true to this day. Yes, of course, we are big. Uh, it's a larger organization and people are busier. And uh, But nevertheless, we do have that kind of cross-pollination between functions, cross-functional approach to problem solving and challenging conventions and, uh, you know, what's possible, bringing a different mindset into, uh, you know, conversation or brainstorming. So that is still true at Converse, and I hope it continues, and I think that really adds, you know, creativity to everything that we do.
2: One of my favorite things uh, that I've been doing, and hopefully you'll continue it, Kabir, is um, every two weeks or so, I host a now Zoom call with all of our new joiners. Um, Usually it's six to eight people, uh, and, you know, what that does is it gives people a chance to just see the diversity of all the different people, whether they're coming from different countries, different disciplines, and to really share kind of what brought them here. And it's just wonderful to hear all the different shades of story, but they're here because we're here to do something really
1: important for people. No, that sounds wonderful. I would love to continue to do that.
0: Now- Kabir, let's talk about a little bit about your career and your learnings from your career that you think, maybe less so successes, but the learnings that you think will be relevant uh, and you would like to implement at Compass or share with us. Uh,
1: Thank you, Kelly. So let me first start by saying, I'm not going to talk about implementing anything yet. And I'm here (laughs) to come on board, to learn, to get to meet everyone here and learn from everything you do so well. But you know, a couple of things that I think are relevant. I mean, clearly I have spent the last few years at Utsuka very immersed in this space of serious mental illness, largely in a US context, but also a little more broadly. So I think I I come certainly with an understanding of w- where the environment sits today, the complexity of it, um, the fact that, you know, there is this desperate need for new solutions that go beyond just drugs and so on and you know, know many of the same people that you already know, a Compass move in some of those same circles. So that that feels like a natural transition from that perspective. You also commented though that you know ultimately, while the ambition is very substantial and long-term, you know, there are some immediate needs about getting a drug, Comp360 approved in a certain indication, reimbursed, paid for. So I've also spent the last few years running a successful commercial business Um, with all the required capabilities and so on to drive that. And one thing interesting to kind of, I think, which is also relevant in terms of potential experience and so on, our last big launch in Otsuka was in a different therapeutic area into a rare disease area, but it required us to set up closed distribution with specialty pharmacies, a really strict REMS, uh, outstanding patient experience capabilities, and indeed a platform from which patients and physicians could actually both see data and so on and that to me is you know and getting that successfully paid for driving that to growth which has happened I think again there are some key learnings from there particularly around how the U.S. marketplace is evolving which we touched on earlier. I think a second big piece is you know Otsuka is known for its ambitions in digital and you know we've had some very interesting collaborations with Proteus Digital Health, which is something I'll share more about in due course, with Click Therapeutics for this fully digital app for adjunct treatment of major depressive disorder. And coming back to a point I made earlier, part of the drive for that has been my fundamental belief that in order to improve outcomes for patients living with serious mental illness, we have to leverage technology in a number of ways. The digital therapeutic side is because I actually believe that this is behavioral health is one of the very few places where you can imagine an app can potentially ameliorate symptoms. But again, going way beyond that, the integration of digital technology, the ability to meet patients where they want to be met, which, again, I think is an increasingly important feature of, of this millennium. That's something that we believe in. And I think some of my learnings from there both successes and frankly learnings of things that didn't necessarily work will be uh, relevant.
0: What about patients? Um, What are your thoughts about how to engage with patients? I think there's a lot of there are a lot of conversations they you know partnering with patients but I think Mm. there are very few examples how to do it well.
1: I agree and I think you know for Big farmer in general. This, you know, you know, there is no company that will not say they're patient centric and put patient at the center. And you know, it's there's a limited degree to which that's happened. So a, a couple of things there. One, from a personal perspective, I actually spend a lot of time in virology and HIV um, in the past, and that was perhaps one of the few areas where the pharma industry did absolutely engage with patients and even. 15 years ago, we were actually bringing patients in to help design clinical studies and so on there in a way that other therapeutic areas didn't. And with serious mental illness, it's patients, but it's also caregivers. And I think Mm -hmm. we can't lose sight of the fact that caregivers are also critical. So I think uh, I mentioned the word humility first, I mean, uh, earlier, I mean, that's absolutely fundamental. I do not believe that companies like ours Can say here's a solution and push it out you have to sit down with patient groups and so on and I, i look forward to learning how compass is doing that whether that's actually creating these patient communities working with already existing patient communities and again it's something that i believe that at otsuka we've really done well we actually have fantastic relationships with patient groups with advocacy groups we have immersions, you know, where we actually spend time with patient families and so on. And I think, you know, all of that. I look forward to to learning what Compass is already doing and leveraging that. We're really
2: excited about a lot of the work we're doing with uh, Depression Bipolar uh, Alliance in the U.S. NAMI. Uh, we've just set up a community of patients online, um, and really looking at how do we listen and learn and co-create. To your point. And realize that there is no single patient that, in fact, this is deeply personal and how we understand the contours of that personal experience to help people have a more fulfilling experience in their lives. and that's really what we're here to do is to help everyone find the more fulfilling life that they can
1: have. No, f- fully agreed, and you know when you talk about uh, and again very familiar with the work that Nami does, DVSA, and so on again. Relationships that you know I already have as well, and look forward again to continuing to build on that. Exactly.
0: Okay, let's talk about what's next. What is the so we we're very excited for you to come on board because we're entering the new stage, right? And so the whole search was about the leader who. Will have the skill set and experience and appreciation for Compass Mission that is suited for the next stage. So, what's next? How are you thinking about what's next? Well, I,
2: I think first and foremost, you know, this is a another step forward for leadership, um, and my leadership will take a new shape. Kabir comes in; I get to continue as uh, executive chair to help with the transition. But more importantly, as moving into chairing the board, helping shape strategy. But the thing I'm most excited about is building on some of our public-private partnerships like we've had with the NHS here in the UK, work that we'll be doing in the US to really look at how do we become partners with the health systems, really help shape policy, and to do it in a highly transparent and rigorous way. And so, I think, you know, for me, this is a wonderful moment because we're now expanding the leadership of the company as we've been doing all along. And so, to be able to now really start having everyone focus on our vision of a personalized, predictive, and preventative model of care, leveraging technology, leveraging psychological support, that is really exciting. And so, I think. You know, looking at this period right now, it's, you know, obviously this is a key part in a founder journey. It's knowing when the team has received, achieved escape velocity. This is a, a term that was used a lot when I was growing up with, on missions to the moon. How do we escape the, the gravity force of the earth? And well, for us, it's really about how do we escape the gravitational force of the status quo? That's what you need. <laughs> and, I think we're there now. And so this is like, it's it's a huge moment to be able to say, you know, we're now ready to go to this next stage and here's the team to do that.
1: Oh, that thank you, George. So, yes, I, I, I think, and and you mentioned this even in the introduction, Katia, you know, the company is at a point where let's recognize operationally it's going to become ever more complex. And there's just operationally Ever more to do, more people to hire, and so on. And yeah you know, I look forward very much to taking on a lot of that in terms of you know driving the operational side. At the same time, incredibly excited to continue to partner with George and other leaders in in building that bigger vision. And while George will be taking the lead on you know some of those public private partnerships, much of the policy advocacy work, and so on, I also see that as fundamental to the journey we will go on together. I think your mention around the predictive side is really important. I mean, I think we can all acknowledge that, unfortunately, psychiatry is probably about as far away from precision medicine as it's possible to be today. And on another day, we can have a conversation about DSM and whether the labels we use are even useful. But you know, within that, understanding that there are incredibly heterogeneous journeys that patients with serious mental illness take and that we are going to bring tools, not just therapy, but integrated tools in terms of psychological support, in terms of digital tools that can actually help to personalize that journey. And as you say, potentially do a much better job of saying what may help a given patient, which is something today that we find so hard to do. So very, very excited on the journey. And know that that's, again, complex and challenging, and there will be successes, there will be switches, there will be setbacks on the way but that's the journey we're on together.
2: I'm just super excited about this moment. I've been waiting for it for quite a while and it's great to have it finally here. I think that there's a just a lovely moment of being able to appreciate all that we've achieved and to view that just as the starting crossing the starting line of what's possible. And so that's a wonderful place to be.
1: The only thing I would add, catcher is, of, again, as I said, I am incredibly excited, thrilled, honored to be here. I can't wait to start in a couple of weeks. And above all, I can't wait to meet every one of those 170-plus people, <laughs> to learn from them, to listen, and for you all to tell me how I can help make this great company more successful.
2: Well, Kabir, we're so grateful. Thank you. Yeah. Thank
0: you. Well, uh, I think that's a wrap. And I think, uh, thank you both so much. Uh, I think it was an interesting conversation. It's a start. You know, perhaps we can have more detailed conversations and double-click on some of the topics, such as, you know, the role of technology, the role of data, the role of psychological support, and what these complex models of care of the future would look like. But I... I am too incredibly excited to see how you know compassion and deep subject matter expertise technical expertise come together in a very pragmatic tangible way at compass so we can all co-create the future models of mental health care and well-being thank you both thank you thank you and welcome on board
1: thank you katya thank you george
0: Thank you for listening to our podcast. Please subscribe or follow it on your favorite app. And there is much more to be done and to be learned to improve mental health care. Thank you again for being part of this conversation. See you on the next episode.